Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. I was watching a, a television episode a couple of years ago. I don't remember what the TV show was. But in watching it, there was two guys that were talking, and, and one was sharing how much he wished his dad would have been more affirming in his life. He shared there was only one time he could remember his dad being affirming at all, and it was when he was helping prepare a dinner one night. So the son was grilling steaks on the grill, and he asked his dad, Dad, how would you like your steak? And his dad said, well done, son. Well done. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> but you know, there is something... About, uh, about us that, that desires to be affirmed. We, we have that natural desire in our hearts that, that we want to be affirmed by a parent, a mentor, somebody who's important in our lives. We have that naturally within us. That's not a bad thing. And the source of that, it's from God. God gave us a desire to be affirmed. And I would say this too, that he is the only one where we can be fully affirmed. Now, it's nice to have other people, you know, affirm us as well. But in the end, affirmation has to come from the Lord. God put that in our heart to desire that. Because what he hopes that we desire is that at the end of our lives that we will one day hear, well done, good and faithful servant. God put that desire in our hearts because he wants to live forever with us. But as you look at the context of that statement in Matthew chapter 25, it seems that well done is tied to being good and faithful. So then the question is, well, how are we good and faithful to one day hear those fateful words? Well done. So as we continue our series in Luke today, we're going to come across a passage that helps to define what it looks like to be a faithful servant of King Jesus. It's important we know what faithfulness looks like. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you've got God's word. If you're new to Connection Point, we say that because we want you daily in God's word, not just today. If you don't have a Bible with you today, there's one underneath the seat in front of you. You're welcome to borrow that as we read God's Word. We're going to be in Luke chapter 22, picking up from where we left off last week. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word, simply to highlight these are God's words to us, and we don't take that lightly. So we're going to pick up in verse 47, which is where we left off last week. If you remember the scene last week, Jesus was praying in the garden at Gethsemane. And he's talking to the disciples, encouraging them to pray so that they don't fall into temptation. And that's where we find ourselves now. In verse 47, while he was still speaking, so Jesus speaking to the disciples, there came a crowd and the man called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the son of man with the kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour in the power of darkness. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So we left off last week talking about supernatural strength. 
that in order for us to fulfill God's will for our lives, we need supernatural strength. You cannot fulfill God's will for your life without supernatural strength. If you're trying to do it on your own, you're going to fall short. All of us will. And there's a reason for that because once you make a decision to follow Jesus and step into the life he has for you, he leads you into things bigger than yourself. So you need his supernatural strength to do it. And what we found last week is how we gain supernatural strength. So that's the question. So how do we gain it? Is it by eating three eggs every morning for breakfast? Doing CrossFit five days a week? No, and some of you are really happy about that, by the way. It's in prayer. In prayer, you gain supernatural strength. And good news is everyone can pray. You have access to the strength you need to fulfill God's will for your life. Last week, Jesus, he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, wrestling with the will of the Father. And I really do appreciate that. If you've ever been in a place where you've struggled with God's will for your life, you are in great company. Jesus did too. But then he did what we all should do. He went to the Father in prayer and asked for supernatural strength and was granted it. He was granted it because what we find in this passage is Jesus follows through with the will that God had for him. That while he's being arrested, what we find also within that passage is the characteristics necessary for us to be found faithful as servants of King Jesus. So how are we faithful servants? What we see is we are faithful servants of King Jesus by being authentic. We're faithful servants of King Jesus by being authentic in the way that we follow him. After Jesus prays on the Mount of Olives, we find Judas is now leading a crowd to arrest Jesus. Judas approaches Jesus. He betrays him with a kiss on the cheek. If you go to the Middle East today and you're walking or traveling through the Middle East, you'll find friends still. They'll kiss each other's cheeks as their way of greeting one another. It's a sign. It's a signal of intimate friends. I see. I was, you know, I was going to ask Pastor Mark who has now eluded me for two services, I wanted him to come up so we could show you this this morning. I, think, I really think he caught wind of that. He's like avoided it twice now. And I'm happy about that too, by the way. <laughs> but what happens is, is what's meant to be this symbol of intimate friends becomes the sign of ultimate betrayal. Whatever his reason for using a kiss to identify Jesus, it would become the ultimate mark of his betrayal of the King of Kings. And it made me start to wonder, I wonder in what ways, if we were to really pause and think, that maybe we kiss Jesus, but then we go about betraying him. That maybe we kiss Jesus by being a part of kingdom builders, but then we do nothing to help our neighbors in need. That's not great. What other ways could we betray Jesus that we sing the praises of Jesus on our lips, but then we go about tearing down people with those same lips throughout the week. In what ways are we kissing Jesus, but then betraying him? We've got to be careful. We've got to be authentic followers of Jesus. That when I see you in Walmart on Wednesday, it should be no different than the way we see each other on Sunday mornings. Lord, help us be authentic followers of Jesus. Because we are faithful servants of King Jesus by being authentic. And we are faithful servants of King Jesus as we trust in God's sovereignty. We're faithful servants of King Jesus, as we trust in God's sovereignty. After Judas kisses Jesus, the disciples, they understand what's about to happen. You can sense it in the crowd. There's a tension that's there. They realize somebody is about to come and capture Jesus. So one of the disciples, he takes out his sword. 
that he has, he cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest. But Jesus says no more of this. He puts it all to a stop because he understands he's willing to submit to the will of the Father and this is part of that plan. Jesus knows he's not in a power battle that involves the sword. That's not his concern. And there is something in Jesus' response and absence of violence that communicates a sense of confidence in God's sovereignty. There's incredible confidence there. So what is the sovereignty of God? It's the understanding there are no limits to God's rule. He is sovereign over the whole world and everything that happens in it. We can struggle with that sometimes and, and struggle to make sense of that. He is never helpless, never frustrated, He's never at a loss. God has never backed into a corner where his only recourse is to do something he hates to do. God is sovereign. We're not always going to understand some of what's happening in our lives and to understand how God's working that together for our good and his glory. But he does. One of the, the reasons I wanted to land on this point a bit this morning, number one, it's, it's, it's just right there. The disciples were not trusting in God's sovereignty. They felt like they had to take matters in their own hands and force their own way. But Jesus is saying, no, God's got this. He's still in control. And I, I mentioned last week, if you were here, as we talked about prayer, one of the things that, that the Lord really did in Shelly and I's life um, about 10 or more years ago as we were living in Sudan is really becoming solid on who God is and that he is sovereign. We, we all need to get there at some point. That would be our heart for everyone in this room, that we all trust in God no matter what, knowing he's working things out. And part of the reason this is so important is because as you're following Jesus, it's not always easy. And so you need to understand that even in the bad things, God is still good. It's really important. And we saw this lived out in in an overseas setting. So we lived in Khartoum, Sudan, and we worked with about 40 people there. And we would have people come and work on that team. We were there for a couple of years. And we did the same thing when we were in East Jerusalem, that we'd have people come and, and you would look at somebody They'd come off the plane and you feel like, man, this person is going to do an incredible work here. Talented, gifted, incredible. And three months later, they're packing their bags and headed back home. And then you'd have somebody else that you're like, I don't think they're going to make it through dinner. (laughs) 30 years later, like they've done this incredible work. So we're like, what is it? What's the X factor? And it's this. The people who could withstand and understand even in the hard things, God is good they could withstand and see God do mighty things. It's those who struggle to see God's goodness in the most difficult of circumstances that said, I just can't do this anymore. We've got to land on a good place with the sovereignty of God. I want Shelly to come and share a little bit as uh, we've been talking about this a little bit the last couple of weeks because that's just where we're at in Luke. So we address those things as, as we get to that passage in Luke. Thanks, Shelly. I didn't, I didn't share this part in first service, but I told Zach between services that as soon as I sat down, this thought came to my mind, so I'm going to tell you quickly. So, um, you know, some of you know our story. You know, it took us, we had our own little infertility journey, and it's like you forget about that once you start having your children. But there was some really valuable lessons that we learned through that time, and most of it was through my miscarriage. We'd prayed, and we'd prayed, and we'd prayed for years, you know, that we would have a family And so we kind of went through this whole process, and when I finally got pregnant, I mean, we just shared everything right away. We were so excited, and 10 weeks in, then I miscarried. And it was so hard because it's everything we'd prayed for, and it was the answer we were waiting for, and we we shared that excitement so freely. And so it took us about two days, and then Zach and I and I, we were just struggling, but we said, 
we know what we need to do. So we just sat in our little, um, our little living room, had a little fireplace. It was just this little spot. And we turned on the worship music and we both just sat on the floor and we prayed and we snuggled and we cried and we felt like the Lord just really met us there. And in the end, we just had to reconcile that this is it. You know, we're not getting this back. And we had to come to a place in trusting in the Lord that he is good. And the thing that we gathered from that is that, you know, the big question when you're, if anybody's ever struggled with infertility, the big question is, will we ever conceive a child? You don't know. And one of our takeaways from that time is that we can get pregnant. We can. That, like that's it. That was a huge answer to prayer. Even though I wasn't pregnant anymore, like a huge question was answered. And then all we needed to do was say, okay, Lord, in your timing, we'll see you know, if we have a pregnancy that leads us to starting a family. So even in the midst of hardship, God is doing incredible things. It just takes us, you know, to pause and see what is God doing. Even though we didn't have a child in our hands, we did have a miracle. And I just want to encourage you, if you're in a hard place right now, don't feel like you're totally abandoned. You're not. God is doing amazing things. We just have to stop, pause, and seek the Lord and find out what he's doing. And Zach mentioned in Sudan, this is really where I feel like we came to a better grip on the sovereignty of God. And I've shared before, but if you're new here, um, Sudan is an amazing place. If you get off the plane today, you can have an amazing adventure in the land. For me, I struggled so much because Sudan just didn't go the way I wanted it to. When I got there, I didn't do what I thought I was going to do. You know, I didn't get to be with the people like I thought I would get to be with people. So basically, in the end, I was a spoiled, rotten brat. And I threw my fits before Jesus, and I was very angry. And I felt like the Lord just let me know um, I needed to learn a lot more about him. And that's when the topic of the sovereignty of God became so relevant for us. I knew certain things about God, and I was good with that. But then there were things that I was not good with. And that was this hardship I was in. I came to understand I needed to have a higher view of God. And a lot of times when I'm praying, I say the same thing over and over and over again. I see the Lord seated on the throne and his train fills the temple. And as I say that, it kind of just helps me to know that everything's right in my world. Um, singing songs like it is well with my soul. It's really hard to sing that when you're like gritting your teeth and you're angry. You know, it's like everything's not well <laughs> in my soul right now. But having that high, high view of God that he is sovereign, words like submission to his will, words like authority of your life, lordship, master, king, those are tough words when you're struggling with those topics of God in your life or in your situation. And for me, when I was in Sudan, the hardest part was that he knew I was frustrated. He knew things weren't right in my heart and in my mind, but he wasn't rescuing me. And I couldn't leave. We didn't have our passports. That was the part of this, this whole thing. We didn't have our passports. We couldn't have left the country even if we wanted to. And that is exactly where God did the most amazing work in my life to date. 
it, it was just what I needed because he knew what he could do in my life had I come to this point. And I did. God doesn't need my opinions. He needs my obedience. And so I am good with a high view of God. He is on the throne. He is king. He is Lord of all situations. And I am really great with my place before him, which is as flat on the floor as I can get. Because in that posture, I know I am right before my king and my Lord and my savior. And as long as we're, we're good, he's good with me, I'm good with him. Oh my goodness, the peace that floods my soul. And that's what I want for everyone. But we have to have that high view of God and his sovereignty and that we are okay with not understanding everything. I actually talked to Nate about this on the way to church. He was asking me a question. And I said, you have to remember, God is not human. He's God. And we are not going to understand him. He's not to be understood. He will give us understanding, but even that alone just satisfies us and keeps us going. And so we just have to switch our thinking to be okay with the sovereignty of God. And then part of that is trust. You'll, you'll trust the sovereignty of God as you are walking with him and you're leaning on him and you come to know that he can be trusted. And that happens through faith and an experience with him. The more you communicate with the Lord, the more you'll see that he is with you. The more you'll see that he is meeting your needs and he's doing miracles. Maybe not the miracle you're asking for, but miracles all along the way to help you know that he's with you. And then that will help you trust him more. And as you trust him more, you're really okay to have him on the throne. You're really okay to give him the lordship in your life and not struggle with needing to control the efforts that he's trying. So for me, I really just want to, for the Lord to know that I'm going to do whatever it is he's asking me to do. I want to be the best follower I can be of Jesus. And as I try to be the best follower of Jesus, I'm hoping that makes me a good leader. Because really all I want to do is lead others in great followership. If we can get that right, we are honoring our King and our Savior. And so I hope that if you're in a place where you're struggling, maybe you're in a place where it's tough right now, just know that the Lord is continuing to lead you on a journey of knowing Him and trusting Him. And you need to have eyes to see the miracles that He's doing all along the way. If you're in that hard place, ask, ask us to, to talk to you, to pray with you. There are people in this room who have had some tremendous journeys with Jesus. They would love to come alongside you and share their story because God is doing something so amazing. And we want to be a part of it together, growing in God together, experiencing his goodness together. Because as we do that, there are so many people in this community that need to know that he is a sovereign God that he can be trusted in hardship. And for the disciples, I think about the disciples, you know, some are mentioned that are closely involved with what was going on with Jesus. Judas, he betrays Jesus altogether. So we know clearly he wasn't happy with God's plan and how this was all gonna go. And then there are other disciples who are rarely mentioned at all, but we know they were there. And so it's been interesting for me to process, I wanna be 
in it with Jesus. I want to be there. I want to be a part of it. I want him to know I'm all in. And I want all of us to feel that same way, to go before the Lord and say, Lord, what would you show me? What am I missing? What am I lacking? Are there areas in my life where I'm just not okay with your rule and your reign? And those are tough, tough things to go before the Lord. But I think that's where he's asking us to go. I think he's asking us to start asking some harder questions of the Lord and to be okay with what he has to say. Thanks, Joe. So a couple of things I, I want to readily admit. Um, these are hard things to, to kind of grapple with. And, and let me say too, uh, we did not figure this out in Sudan. We're still figuring it out. And we will be until the day Jesus comes. We're all in process. There are no perfect people in this room. Just forgiven ones. And so the question is, when we're facing hardship, and even when we know God is sovereign, that he's in control, are we still pushing to try to fight for our own way? Are we going to try to coerce the own action and outcome? Or are we going to say, God, it's yours. And I'll put before you, it's likely, if you've already wrestled with that and you're firm on, on where you're at on the sovereignty of God, you may still react one way, but then God in his loving kindness will say, hey, remember? And you're like, oh yeah, all right, God, it's yours. It's yours. So when you're in the middle of a difficult circumstance, do you panic and try to seize control, or do you trust that God's still in charge? What's your response? I would say next time we're facing a challenge, instead of taking matters into our own hands, pray and ask God for the supernatural strength to do what he wants you to do. We are faithful servants of King Jesus as we trust in God's sovereignty. And we're faithful servants of King Jesus by embracing difficulty. We are faithful servants of King Jesus by embracing difficulty. So these last two points, they really are tied together. It's in having complete confidence in the sovereignty of God that you can then embrace difficulty. That's the way it works because you know in the end, no matter what comes, God is still in charge and you can trust that he's going to work things out. He'll do it. But I'll also say, even if you resolved that God is sovereign, there's still some things I'd love to encourage you to do to quiet your soul so that even when it seems that the enemy is in charge, you can be reminded God is. Here's what we find in this, in this uh, last part of the verses. It was very really interesting, that last line that Jesus share, shares, because Peter cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Jesus heals the man. And here's what he asks the hostile crowd. Am I some dangerous revolutionary, he asked? that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day. But what's he say? This is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. There will be times in your life where the enemy comes against you. There will. Peter knows this firsthand. He got to see it. And so then later he's going to write about this. And here's what he says. He says, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So don't be surprised if the enemy comes against you and what you're trying to do in fulfillment of God's will. He will. But the good news is, we have a Savior who's stronger. So then for Peter, what does he say that we're supposed to do? Even though this enemy is prowling around, he says, stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. But then how do you do that? And I just want to make it very practical this morning. How do you stand firm in your faith? This goes back to, and people kind of make fun of me on how much I talk about abiding. <laughs> that's right, I'm good with that. They make fun of me because of how much I talk about abiding and how long I preach in Luke. But that's all right. That's all right. Abiding matters, and not because you can earn your way to heaven. That's not what that's for. You will not be more saved 
by praying more or reading your Bible more. You'll simply be able to stand firmer in your faith. That's the whole point. The whole point for you, spending more time in prayer, spending time in God's word, is so that you stand firm because we're not home yet. So once you make that decision to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and he enables you. But you've got to be firm in who you are in Jesus. That's why we show up on Sundays. Oh Lord, firm me up with the body. Help me encounter you in special ways today. That's why we do these kinds of things. You sing songs. We get involved in connect groups because Christian community matters as a part of our following Jesus. We sang one of those songs this morning, Good, Good Father. You sing about the goodness of God. God songs about the sovereignty of God. Does anybody know one of my favorite songs is My Father's World? Does anybody know that one? It's an older song. Some, I've got somebody raising their hand. There's a wonderful line in that song. The song says, This is my Father's world. And let me never forget that though the wrong seems often so strong. You ever had that? The wrong seems strong. What's the last line? God is the ruler yet. God is in charge. And when you're confident in that, it doesn't matter what comes. You know that he's going to work things out. He does. God wins in the end. When you're in a time where it seems like darkness is reigning, it is vital that you abide in Jesus. If you're new to Connection Point, there's an Abide Daily Guide in your seat back. I encourage you, take it home. Learn what it is to abide in him. Because as you abide in Jesus, you will have the supernatural strength to be a faithful servant of King Jesus. Let's, let's be honest. The arrest of Jesus, it seemed like a pretty bleak moment for the disciples. That's why they're struggling. That's why they're trying to work it out in their own strength. But God wasn't done yet. The enemy did not win the cross will wind up accomplishing the exact opposite of what darkness wanted. I love that. Even in your darkest moments, God is saying, watch this. It might seem in this passage the temple leadership is in control, but they're not. God is. He always is. To be faithful servants of King Jesus, we must learn to embrace difficulty as a part of God's plan. We won't always understand it. We for sure won't always like it. But for God to bring about what he intends, challenges seem to be required. So the next time you're facing a difficult situation, pause and pray. Turn on a favorite song and sing through it. Because faithful servants, they're authentic. They trust in God's sovereignty and they embrace difficulty. So how are you doing serving as a faithful servant of King Jesus? So this morning we showed this video of the couple we got to send to, to Saudi Arabia to share the good news of Jesus with followers of Islam. And how can individuals get to the place where they trust God enough to go to places like that, to the heart of the Islamic world, and share about who Jesus is? They've learned to become faithful servants. They're authentic in the way that they follow him. They trust in the sovereignty of God. They embrace difficulty as a part of the path of following Jesus. And they will one day hear those fateful words from our risen Savior. Well done, good and faithful servants. Well done. We're all meant to hear those words. Well done, God wants to say. But will we be good and will we be faithful? So how are you doing living an authentic life? Are you trusting in God's sovereignty? Are you embracing difficulty as a part of following Jesus? If not, I'd encourage you today. Become a faithful servant today. And as we look at these passages, and even if you get a sense, man, I've not been real great in this area, that's great. So you just need to do the next right thing you know to do. 
There's no condemnation there. Conviction is actually a good thing. It's God saying, hey, I see this. This Here's something we could work on. You can grow in me. Because you're meant to hear, well done. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And as we're we're closing today, I, I just want to ask, maybe you're here today and you realize you've not been a faithful servant of King Jesus, the one who grants eternal life. And that's because you've never made a decision to follow him. You have to make the decision at some point in your life to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Jesus, Shelley talked a bit about the Lord peace. He is our Lord, but he's also our Savior. So maybe you're here today and you're, you've not been a faithful servant because he's not been Lord or Savior. But today you'd say, I want to become a faithful servant. Be granted life forever with King Jesus. So with every head bowed this morning, I just want to ask, if that's you today, and you'd say, I want to be a faithful servant of Jesus. I want to surrender my life to him. I invite you to raise your hand as we close in song this morning. Anybody that say that's me? Over here in the front. Anybody else that say that's me? Back here in the back. Anybody else that would say? Right up here in the front. Anybody else? Anybody else that say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a faithful servant. Over here in the back and in the middle, anybody else? Jesus, I pray right now for the many hands that were raised today. Oh God, I just pray that you would pour yourself into them as you promised to do. Be near to them today. Lord, that they might become strong and firm in the faith, followers of you, dedicated to your purposes. So God, I just pray that their lives from this moment forward be one of faithful service to you, King Jesus. Lord, help us as the body of Christ to come alongside to to help them as they journey with you, to show what it looks like to embrace hardship as a part of your plan. God, I just pray today for each and every one in this room. I pray, Lord, if people are here and they've surrendered their lives to you as Lord and Savior, that, that they would now look at what does it look like to be good and faithful? Because we're all meant to hear those words one day, well done. So Jesus, I just pray that you bring that to pass. Help us all to be faithful servants in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. We thank those that raised their hand this morning. You're in a great place this morning. I'd like to ask some of our prayer team members, if you raise your hand today, we don't want to leave you just in that decision because you may come to Christ in that decision, but you grow in Christ in community. So we've got some prayer team members. They're just going to come and say, hey, I'd love to pray with you. We want to give you a Bible if you don't have one to say, here's how you can start your journey with Jesus. Can we just uh, thank God for those as we're grabbing those this morning?